Welcome to the Men's Health Unscripted Podcast with Patrick and Cam. We're focused on everything on men's health, looking at your emotional, your physical, and your spiritual well-being. You're going to take care of that and make sure you keep on going. What's going on, guys? We got the two best guests you could possibly have on Men's Health Unscripted. Cam. The thickest. <laughs> the thickest and the best. We might get a pop-in from Joe Ferrelli as well. Uh, we just wanted to give you guys a little update. I know the podcast hasn't really been coming out as much as it had uh, previously, but to be honest with you, we are studying for our pharmacy board exams in the state of Florida, and that's quite time consuming along with a lot of other stuff. So we wanted to give you an update. We want to talk a little bit about some issues that have been popping up in our email and DMs just to kind of give everybody a comprehensive overview of what's going on in uh, COVID and men's health. We also have this monkeypox thing going on. Today it got declared um, public health emergency by the White House. So that might be a different story altogether. And uh, Cam and I are just going to riff a little bit. So sit back, take off your pants, grab a beer, and enjoy the best men's health podcast ever. How are you doing, Cam? I'm doing good, Pat. How you got going on today? Pretty good, man. Just been studying. I know you have been too. Yeah, we've been burning this gigantic 1,200-page book down. I uh, know. So what do you have, the NAPLEX or the MPJE first? I got NAPLEX up first, and then okay. a week, and then the MPJE. Okay, so you're like squeezing it all in. Yeah, I figure I can squeeze that MPJE a little bit tighter than I can the NAPLEX, so, you know, yeah. try to balance that shit down. Yeah, I've got the MPJE coming up on Tuesday. So for those of you that don't know, the we have two exams. Pharmacy has two exams for boards. Uh, the NAPLEX is like our clinical exam. Uh, where they would evaluate our knowledge and medication, side effects, contraindications, treatments, that kind of stuff. And then our MPJE is the law exam. So that focuses more on dispensing, distribution, basic like just drug dealer law and how we can prevent harm to our patients and maximize you know, our patients getting the medications that they need when they need them uh, and also limiting you know, diversion issues with opioids, other narcotics, things like that. So how's studying going for you, Cam? Man, it's going. Spending these long hours. I spend more time studying than I do working or anything else, especially getting crunch time. You know, you got yours come up in a week. We feel this crunch period, so I'm sure we're both putting in extra hours just to kind of study this stuff, get this knowledge down, and make sure we know what we have to know to keep ourselves from getting our guts pushed in in jail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to get our license taken away. So that's really important. We hope everybody out there is doing well. And so we just kind of wanted to start about start this podcast off with talking about COVID and some erectile dysfunction issues that some of our viewers uh, have kind of addressed to us in the email or in the DMs of our social media. I've also had friends of mine and, and other people that know that that I'm in pharmacy come up to me and they also know I'm a big men's health guy, obviously. Um, and they've confided and said, I had COVID and for a couple months after, I've, I still have erection issues. So we kind of wanted to go over some things. I mean, these definitely are not cures by any means, but these are some tricks that you can use to help if you've had COVID, you're experiencing erectile dysfunction um, that you can use to really help yourself um, kind of maybe get back on your feet and, and get back going, get back, you know, getting after it in the bedroom. 
And as Pat said, this is not some kind of overall encompassing cure, things like that. So do realize COVID is still relatively new. So all this long-term data and this long-term effects are still kind of coming out as we're going through things. So pay attention to yourself and then pay attention to what studies you can read and understand. And then maybe if you have somebody who's in the medical field, you feel confident, discuss it with them because they might be able to help clarify or even get you some resources on good information that will kind of help guide you to the right direction, such as Men's Health Unscripted. Hell yeah. So how this all kind of started was obviously you guys communicating with us, friends, family communicating with us about some issues with ED and, you know, associated with COVID. And so this is kind of a new concept in men's health, just because the virus, even though it's a couple years old now, we're still, as Cam said, compiling quite a bit of data. So the most important thing that started, or one of the most important things is there's a study showing that COVID-19 had an association post-COVID, after they clear the virus, they're better. Men are still experiencing erectile dysfunction. So from what I've heard, and this is not mass studies, guys, this is just friends, family, DMs, that the libido is there, the drive is there, but the ability to get and sustain an erection is not. And so what happened in this study is that they took since COVID is a vascular targeting virus, that they took sample, penile samples from men, the age range was pretty wide, and they assessed that a lot of the vasculature was damaged. And so, as we know, what we've seen, especially you, Cam and I, in a lot of our institutional practice, is that we've seen a lot of our patients, especially the elderly population, be a lot more prone to blood clots. So, Cam, do you have any information on the increased risk for clotting before we really dive into ED treatment? I know you had some pretty cool hospital rotations. You kind of talked a little bit about that with uh, some of your patients. Yeah. So, especially when it comes to elderly patients, their increased chance for clotting really does come from a lot of other sources as well. It's not necessarily just COVID. Um, but that situation of being put potentially into the ICU, having long-term time in the hospital that's just going to increase it overall. Um, I'm sure everybody's also heard of, you know, some of the lasting side effects people do have from COVID such as brain fog and stuff like that. So that adds another mental aspect into this particular, you know, concern, particular case of the ED um, as a possible extension from COVID. Um, but clotting risk is essentially always there uh, for any kind of inpatient care. Um, elderly patients as well with their, some of their medications and their other conditions could cause that. So anything that's going to exacerbate those conditions obviously going to increase that clotting risk, guys. Yeah. And, and also it's just important to note that any kind of damage, like, so if, if COVID damages some of the cellular structure of the vasculature, the body actually has this really amazing mechanism that, so when we think of clotting, it's kind of like scabbing, right? So our body is using the scab to help this, the, our skin kind of heal the wound. And so what happens is there's this chemical cascade that happens once the body senses damage. And so if COVID damages the vasculature of your veins and arteries, then that chemical cascade can be activated. And that kind of has all the coagulation uh, factors and platelets and all these things start coming together or aggregating, as we say in the biz, to form a clot. Now, if you're a relatively healthy person, you have some vascular damage and COVID comes in or 
caused by COVID, you are at risk for a clot, even young, healthy people. I've seen in some of our experience that uh, even younger patients that were in the ICU or in the, some of the hospital settings that we were in, um, kind of they needed to leave with a 30-day supply of anticoagulant. So like Eliquis or Apixaban or Xarelto. One of the, uh, Eliquis and Apixaban are the same drug, just different name. Xarelto or Rivaroxaban are another form of that. That's generally what I've seen people leave the hospital with. So uh, I'm going to take a quick short break here. Uh, Joe Ferrelli is in the MF and house. So we're going to let him in. We're just going to kind of keep running a little bit. So really the main components to helping with this vascular um, vascular health, really, let's reduce or eliminate smoking tobacco. Um, we can also implement an exercise program if you don't have one. So weight training, walking, um, any of that kind of stuff is like really important to helping the blood pump. It gets your vasculature going and it helps the blood pump throughout your body. And then finally, reducing the amount of fat consumed, especially, you know, saturated fats, trans fats, things like that. Those are going to develop into some scarring potentially and some atherosclerotic plaques, which also can cause vascular damage and cause clotting as well. So we want to stay away from those things, especially post-COVID um, and especially to improve our erection function post-COVID and just generally in life. So, hey, Joe, we can hear you. Hello. Whoa, hot Joe is in the house. Hey, Pam, how are you? What's going on, man? How you doing? So uh, we're just, Joe, we just decided um, to talk a little bit about erectile dysfunction post-COVID. It's been, I think, as you know, it's been in the DMs, it's been in the emails, and some some of our friends and family have been inquiring about post-COVID ED. So we're just trying to, we're building a little bit of an episode on some things that our friends and family can do, our listeners can do to help this issue um, or pass this information along to somebody who um, might not have it, but we'll just take a stop. How you doing, Joe? Doing well. Good to hear you guys. Good to see you guys. Yeah, it's good to see you too. What uh we're take a quick pause. What have you been up to? Uh, you know the same old uh just working, still in class right now, just trying to keep a little balance going between uh you know work and leisure. Uh, yeah. Is the class uh, online? No, well, part of it is, but it's uh through labs in person, so it's uh it's massage school, so um, it's a lot of on you know hands on uh, lab work, so it's a lot of in person. But yeah, some online aspects to it. Well, I just want to, Joe. What a great skill to acquire. Yeah, I don't uh, know how many times I'm going to say it. <laughs> <laughs> every time I see you, tell me that, and I, I mean, I agree. It definitely is a good skill to have. Yeah, I, I can't wait to uh, to get on the, that. I get on the table and have you give me a little rub down. You'll be the first body I work on. For sure. Oh, that oh, might turn into another Deshaun Watson over here. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard about that. That's egregious. I, it's like 24 people. Like 24 people. Like when 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 are you gonna stop? <laughs> right. Yeah, like when are you just gonna get the message, right? Yeah. Yeah, Joe, Joe, I feel like could uh I, I probably will bother Joe every like five minutes and be like, can I turn over now? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> stop it. <laughs> 
to me. Uh, I won't say no, but no. I can't go five minutes without making a massage joke. And I love getting massages. You know, never done the uh, Japanese massage deal, but it's always great to make jokes about. Which one, the uh, shiatsu or the... Uh, Just the turnover, please. Oh, <laughs> yeah, be careful of that stuff, man. Like some of our guys get fucking addicted to that stuff. They'll spend all their money over there. Yeah, <laughs> those rubbing tizugs. Yeah, I used to work with some guys that would go every. They would go every Friday, and I didn't understand it. They had um, they had wives, girlfriends. Like I, I don't, I didn't understand it. But like you said, I think like anything else, it could be addictive. I guess so. Oh yeah, they'll blow their entire paycheck, man. That payday was a rough day for those guys. Yeah. <laughs> It's like uh, you get their wives are probably like you get paid this much. Why are you coming home with this much? Shoot, <laughs> just be hitting that turnover, please. Huh? <laughs> so, um, Joe, what have you heard about? I know you're not a like huge pharmacy guy like us, but I know that you you know you do a lot with the human body in massage school. And for those of the people who don't know, physical therapists actually do a rotation with you guys. So, I mean. Massage therapists do have an extensive knowledge of musculature and the body. Have you heard anything about um, some issues with that, you know, post-COVID or, or during COVID, anything like that that doesn't necessarily get talked about because we're you know, really focused on the hospitalization aspect of it? That's a good question. Um, you know, I'm sure there are aspects that maybe we have discussed in the class outside of the normal, you know, social distancing, whatever you want to call it aspects for, for protection for massage work. But um, the bigger one I think right now we're concerned about is monkeypox. You know, yeah. you really know, that's the one that's come up in, in, uh, in class because you really, they could be asymptomatic and they can have it and there's no, you know, no vaccine for it or boosters or anything. So that's a really interesting uh, dynamic right now. So um, have you heard anything about that or well, today we talked about it right before you got on. Today it actually got declared a public health emergency by the White House. Um, and then I was asking Cam, I was like, I don't know if I've in, I've seen any like reported deaths. I know it's like it seems it's not it doesn't look very nice. I've seen some people with it and like the lesions and stuff are pretty aggressive. Uh, I don't know if anybody's really died from it or, you know, anything like that has happened. But and, and then I, I have a couple of friends that are, um, you know, they they might like dance or pose nude for money or whatever. And they have clients and they, you know, posted a lot of stuff online um, talking about their safety, you know, with people coming into the, uh, the club and whatnot. So I think anyone who has some kind of hand on experience, whether it's, um, you know, massage work, medical work private or, you know, exotic dancers, all that stuff. Like they really need to be very careful. So guys, like if you're going to the strip club, be careful because, you know, it can really get passed around in there. That's probably going to be some new concepts for, you know, going to the strip club. Now you start washing your fucking hands, being a little more hygienic uh, than you would imagine those people who would, who are going there transmitting this kind of stuff. Yeah. Going to the bathroom, you know, just normally working, uh, I haven't really seen too much stuff on, you know, how the monkeypox like sticks to a door handle or anything like that. We we might uh, include some of that information in the bio after if it comes out before publishing this. But it's um, it's all relatively new and just find time to happen right after COVID. 
kind of starts to cool off a little bit and becomes a little bit less infectious. And then the next thing you know, you get hit right in the face with monkeypox. Oh, yeah. But it's the same thing we talked about earlier with the COVID thing. It's going to take a little bit of time to get this data compiled and verified before it starts getting released and stuff like that. So it is still relatively new. So it's going to be that learning curve, but we have to see what happens and how it progresses. I think the most important thing, too, especially if any healthcare providers are listening, is, you know, uh, massage therapists, anybody who deals with patients is to not you know, stigmatize your patients for having it. I mean, it's like nobody asked to get monkeypox, right? Um, so it's kind of one of those things where, you know, it, it, it might be hard to pass judgment because some some studies are saying it's an STD, some are not, but it's just kind of hard. You know, it might be hard to pass some judgment, but really try to keep your patient in mind first and um, try to keep them the most comfortable that you can if you do have to interact with somebody with monkeypox. Um, is that something that you've discussed a little bit, Joe? Yeah, I mean, we, we discussed the um, like the moral stigma that came with uh, with COVID and how you know you know for a while it was people would apologize or they would try to defend and say I I did everything I could you know when, when they would get it. So I think that's that's a good point to make as far as monkeypox is saying it's you know we don't know what in what the exact transmission um, I guess rate or cause is so not to feel guilty if you do get it. Before you logged in, I know you're a busy guy. I'm just really happy that you're here, Joe. We were kind of talking a little bit about some men's health things that you can do post-COVID. This is more so, you know, around post-COVID with erectile dysfunction. Um, and so we we're talking about some things that we have discussed, you know, reduce or eliminate tobacco use, um, implement a good exercise program if you don't already have one, and reducing the amount of like saturated trans fats that you consume. Um, we also have compiled a list of foods that can help. Of course, you probably mentioned it, I guess, reducing or limiting alcohol consumption as well. We didn't really get into that. Um, so there's, there's a lot of complexity with, with the alcohol, right? So over time, like one drink, so we're just talking like blood. We're not talking about intoxication or anything like that. So the, like the one, the one glass of wine a day kind of concept, that small drink can kind of help with um, thinning your blood essentially, but then binge drinking and drinking a lot over time, other than like maybe the one glass of wine a day kind of deal actually does kind of potentiate clotting. Is that right, Cam? I suppose like a, a non-direct kind of way. Uh, because alcohol itself is going to be, you know, it's going to thin it out. It's going to cause that that kind of thinner, but it is going to exacerbate your other problems that would help, you know, lead to clotting and things like that. But I think of a, a bigger, more direct focus is that instead of trying to get into clotting and things like that, and keeping it tied with EDs, we do know alcohol, alcoholism is a major factor when it comes to ED, things like that. So, uh, especially the pressure of COVID, people being home more often, you kind of can't go out and do the same kind of thing so a lot of people have been increasing their drinking well past that one drink a day um leading to the you know quote binging maybe or even just as the prolonged keeping that hangover pushed off until you know next week or something kind of drinking yeah it also raises blood pressure which can damage your vasculature um a bit so that was uh that was the one things that we had seen and kind of noticed um, it's funny with the blue zones, you always notice how a lot of the 
the blue zones are in areas where they do consume like a glass of wine or two with their with their meals you know uh so i guess it's it really is about limiting instead of like like cam said it's a binge territory yeah the uh the binge territory is where it can get pretty dangerous and then also you know just the main thing is like really trying to keep that blood pressure down so we're talking a little bit about some foods that can help some natural holistic things that you can do so from what I've heard, the typical ED meds, your sildenafil, Viagra, Tadalafil, things like that, Cialis, um, they do help. Um, that is kind of a temporary fix to potentially what is a bigger problem. Because um, I know you guys know we're always playing the hits here with the ED and the correlation to heart disease. Um, and so in this case, those, those meds will help the body produce more of the nitric oxide it uses to dilate blood vessels. And so that can kind of help. But over time, what can we do? I, I know some people have talked about three to six months experiencing ED post-COVID. And I don't want you guys to have to wait that long because it's just, that ain't right. So we're just going to kind of hit some foods and some other things that you can supplement into your diet that'll help with, you know, hopefully progressing this and helping you guys get back on track. So the main foods that will help are foods rich in omega-3 fatty acids that helps in the nitric acid, uh, nitric oxide conversion. So, you know, your fatty cold water fish, so your salmon, tuna, mackerel for our vegetarian vegan friends, you know, we're looking at nuts, flax seeds. Personally, flax seeds have a ton of benefits, prostate benefits, anti-inflammatory benefits. We can go on that on day. Uh, chia seeds and walnuts. So those are those are going to be the big plant-based foods that have your omega-3s. Um, Cam, let's talk about some of the vitamin complexes that we can we can use to help uh, with our vascular health. Yeah, tying into the nutrition, you, know, you eat a lot of a lot of nutrients that come from your foods. You always want to get that as naturally as you can. So from eating your eating your foods, but sometimes you do need some of that extra supplementation to kind of get those numbers back up there. I myself like to go with like a multivitamin. They're relatively cheap compared to some of these single units. And you usually get, you know, typically 50 to 100% of your daily intake that you would need for this. So you're getting all the vitamins you would need. So start off with a big one everybody loves to talk about and hit on when you get with sick with any kind of virus, vitamin C. So that ascorbic acid you see in a lot of food. Um, it's not some crazy additive. It's got a scary name when you break it down that way. But that's just vitamin C. Um, so that stuff's going to do things like promoting your vein health. It's going to provide, um, it's going to be the antioxidants you need that'll help protect your membranes that are attacked from these free radicals that are in your system, kind of helps prevent them from breaking things down. Um, again, it's going to help repair some of your veins and heal from that damage through the antioxidant property, as we just spoke about. This will also reduce inflammation and also boost up some of that collagen production. Um, some other things that'll help with that collagen, things like zinc and copper, which are also present in those multivitamins, help kind of boost that collagen up when it's combined with your amino acids from your meals. Um, obviously sources that we mentioned, that's, you know, tablet supplementation, but think about things like oranges, other things, citrus fruits that are high in those vitamin C's. Yeah, awesome. That's uh, really comprehensive. So also we want to talk a little bit about vitamin E. So those as well are antioxidant rich. That's going to reduce the inflammation, reduce some of the damage that COVID has actually, you know, potentially caused in the vasculature. Um, and so 
kind of to backtrack a little bit, when we do talk about damage, we're talking about arteries and your veins stiffening. It's not the good kind of stiff that we want, right? It is bad stiffening because your arteries and veins have their own muscular structure and their pumps, um, especially your arteries. The veins, not so much, but the, the arteries are pumps. And so we want them to be have high elasticity and we want them to be strong so that they can pump um, the blood to where it needs to go. And in this case, we're talking about the penis. So we want the penis stiff, not our veins, right? So that the antioxidants are going to help that repair process. And it's also going to help with boosting circulation. Uh, you'll see a lot of doctors prescribe topical vitamin E to women more so um, when they get like varicose veins during pregnancy um, and, and in older age, guys get it too, but I think women care a lot more. It is, you know, they can be kind of unsightly sometimes. So that, that uh, topical vitamin E and then also eating vitamin E can really help. Um, and varicose veins are basically when your veins kind of shrivel up and they don't um, pump blood like they should anymore, get blood to where they need to go. And so some of the foods, again, we're playing the hits here that are going to be high in vitamin E, your spinach your almonds, peanuts, sunflower seeds, and avocado. And I personally love avocado toast for breakfast. All right, so next we're gonna talk about some vitamin B. So I'm sure a lot of you, well, you've heard about it. Maybe your doctor's even told you that you need to increase on some of these. So vitamin B isn't its own thing. It's a series of different vitamins. So they're typically called a complex. Uh, so these things, again, will help with your blood vessels as well. Um, I'm sure there are different ones. They help with energy. They help with fatigue, things like that. But oftentimes, uh, the doctors, in this case, will use these, again, those varicose veins, help help with patients for that. You find this in whole unprocessed foods, things like organ meats, but you do want to take it easy on organ meats, cheese, bananas, lentils, beans, and chili peppers. Easiest way to get it if you're not getting enough from your diet, some people do have problems absorbing this stuff, is get that B-complex. It often is cheaper than buying the individual ones. So if they're trying to tell you you're, you're low on B9, B12, a lot of times you can save some money. Just grab that B complex and you'll get all those things in that bad boy. Yeah, that's that's uh, good. Yeah, I know we kind of talked a little bit about staying away from the fatty foods. Organ meats, generally uh, pretty healthy. They're really nutrient dense, um, but also the, you know, like the cheese and things like that, they can have a little bit of fat. I'm a whore for cheese, so I'm not really one to talk, but uh, I do kind of limit the intake a little bit, but you know, it's important to, you know, cheese is, is going to be kind of a source of B12. If you're not really able to get a hold of that, um, you can also supplement as well, like we've said. So if you're the vegetarian, vegan population that listens, um, it is important that you're supplementing your vitamin B12, because as far as I know, there's only one or two plant-based sources of B12. Um, I believe it's duckweed, which it's kind of hard to get your hands on. Uh, I've looked and you can get aloe. So aloe shakes. Um, I'm not promoting any of that. I've drank quite a few aloe shakes in my life uh, and they, it tastes like armpit. It's not the greatest thing <laughs> taste wise, but it does have quite a bit of the vitamin E. So aloe, when you rub it on your skin as a topical, you know, for a cut or burn or something like that has a lot of vitamin E in it. So aloe is packed rich with uh, some of these vitamin complexes. Um, and then the bananas, lentils, beans, chili peppers, that's all of it. Chili peppers have also shown, side note, some, some 
benefit to increasing libido, increasing testosterone, helping your metabolism, things like that. So you can take that with a grain of salt. I don't know how many studies have been done with it, but we research a lot of foods um, here to help. And frankly, I just like chili peppers. So I'll eat them. It's good. Um, just watch your butthole. because Especially when they're red hot. Boy, it can burn on the way out. So take it easy with <laughs> Well, my concern with the organ meats is that eating a, a high diet full of those are actually a risk factor for gout. Um, and so as we're getting kind of older, uh, some of our, our listeners who may be in the older age there, especially if you've already had gout, that can increase your chance for a reoccurrence of that or even getting it for the first time. Um, and then tying in with the B12, uh, if you are on, if you're a diabetic, if you're a type 2 diabetic and you're using metformin, once you reach some of that, uh, the, the max dose we are supposed to be taking, you can actually find yourself to be kind of short on some of that B12. So you may require some additional supplementation as well. So getting in some of these foods, uh, the bananas, lentils, some of the healthier options like we mentioned, are also going to help you diabetes as well because those foods are not going to be high in that. Well, the bananas might be, but they won't be so high in sugars. So they shouldn't be affecting your blood sugar in a negative way. Yeah. And even um, kind of doing a little bit of research on this too, bananas are pretty low, I believe, on the glycemic scale. Yeah. Um, and side note, again, if you're, if you are a, a type one or type two diabetic, I would not be afraid of fruit personally, no. um, just because the what happens is the fruit isn't like if you eat candy, it's straight sugar. No, there's really no protection there. If you're eating fruit or vegetables that are a little sweeter, have some of that higher sugar content, it's important to know that those sugars are kind of fused into fiber. And that fiber causes a slower release of that sugar in your body. So that like when you eat an Oreo compared to an apple, you eat an Oreo, the sugar is going to spike and just skyrocket, and then you're going to have the come down crash. If you eat an apple or a banana or some kind of fruit, the fiber will actually help the sugar disperse in your body evenly and over time. So you're not going to get that high peak. You're going to get more of an incline, and then it's going to level off. So just some thoughts. Uh, there are some, some recent studies that have been coming out uh, on the you know, association with you know, reversing type two diabetes. So we're talking about our next supplement. Our next vitamin is vitamin K. It's been used to treat varicose veins as well. Just like we talked about vitamin E and uh, vitamin E or vitamin B and vitamin E as well. And so vitamin K does have um, some really strong properties uh, when we're talking about some of our anticoagulant medications like warfarin. Um, you might have heard of it as Coumadin. So warfarin or Coumadin, pretty much the same drug. One's brand, one's generic. So if you have some family members that uh, might have this issue and they're also on warfarin and Coumadin, um, it should be kind of a warning to not increase the vitamin K intake. So vitamin K, you can supplement with that. Um, it's also found in our green leafy vegetables, broccoli, kale, Brussels sprouts, foods like that. And it's important to note that if you if you are a listener or one of your family members that's they're trying to help out or pass this podcast along to knows that if if they're on this medication that and they're eating a consistent amount of vitamin K or none at all, that they shouldn't just ramp it up all of a sudden um, just because. Now you're putting your body at risk for more clotting. 
Um, anything to follow up on that, Cam? Uh, exactly as you said, it ties into that. The uh, the Warfriend, another brand name, the one that's still used is Jantavan. Um, they did take Coumadin as it's as it's named um, off the market a little bit ago, just because the generics have been out uh, for so long. So you don't really see Coumadin in the label anymore, but you'll see Jantavan still. Um, don't don't be messing craziness with your vitamin K intake uh, if you're on if you're using Warfarin. You want to focus on obviously on the anticoagulation, the preventing the blood clot. So if you're changing that, you're reversing that, and then you're worried about ED now with COVID. Now you're changing your your coagulation. Blood clots are not going to help your situation there. So keep an eye on that, especially if your family members are having a little bit of trouble with their medication and their food intake. Always give them a hand with that too. Absolutely. So and then it is important to note that uh, vitamin K is like kind of a reversal agent for warfarin. This isn't something that I think the average public would really use. This is if somebody is maybe overdosed on warfarin or they're getting, you know, just their INR is way high. Uh, a lot of times, generally over 10, and then a lot of times the vitamin K would be administered to help bring that back down to a stable uh, level. Uh, do not do that on your own, please. That is um, kind of, really important to be done under medical supervision because if you have, you know, really high INR, which means your blood is basically really thin um, and, and you're at risk for more bleeding, you don't want to consume a bunch of vitamin K and then it swing the other way. And now we're at a high risk for clotting. So if uh, anybody that you know has a, a really high INR, generally, you know, two to three is what you shoot for in clinic. Um, but if, you know, usually if it's, you know, a lot higher, um, you know, you want to contact your doctor, whoever manages that warfarin, and they would be able to kind of give you the best advice. Um, but vitamin K, if, you know, if it is high, vitamin K can be soon consumed to help bring it down. Um, just again, you know, everybody's situation is different. And while we know the pharmacological aspect of it, you know, warfarin, managing warfarin is an art. So the pharmacist or the provider, whoever's managing your family member's warfarin, um, I would contact them to, to help if, if that INR is getting high. So that was just a little side, side component. Um, and then finally, vitamin D. Our you know, favorite, the Ds. The D, we save the best for last. So how do we get vitamin D? It's generally in fortified foods, um, you know, your cereals, dairy, like milk, you'll see it has like fortified. Um, again, we're kind of wanting to stay away from those saturated fats as well. So what does vitamin, where else can we get vitamin D? Good old sunlight. Our body makes it. Uh, we will have cholesterol kind of, it, it makes it from cholesterol. So sunlight on the skin. Now this isn't saying go out and burn yourself, but just go out, you know, 20 minutes of moderate sunlight a day. It helps with mood in general, like, I mean, it'll help you feel better getting outside, getting some fresh air, but then also it helps with your body's ability to produce vitamin D. Vitamin D is really important to help with the expansion and contraction of our blood vessels. And like, like what we've been talking about vascular elasticity and in general, vitamin D serves a lot of functions in the body, but it's important when we're talking about, um, our COVID, post-COVID erectile dysfunction, even erectile dysfunction, generally in patients with ED outside of COVID, there is some vascular damage there. 
So, you know, assuming it's a physical issue and not like a mental issue or a medication issue, um, where like some of our mood drugs, like our SSRIs can actually cause decreased libido and sexual function. Um, we're talking more about lifestyle modification, things like that, where we can kind of help do our best to repair the damage to blood vessels that has happened. So any follow-up on that, Cam? So that's a big one. As we mentioned, uh, it is known that if you have any kind of deficiency in your vitamin D, it can lead to some like cardiovascular disease, increased risk for that. It can make it worse. Um, something else to focus on, I'm sure a lot of people, especially if you have some, you know, your grandmothers, maybe your mothers, uh, so even some of your grandparents, your uh, grandfathers, osteoporosis plays into that. So vitamin D is important for your bone and teeth health. It does kind of decline as you get older. So that's when they start to develop some of those osteopenia, bone bone conditions um, as they get older with that. So supplementation, the best way is obviously going outside, linking with COVID. There's a lot of isolation that occurs with that. So, you know, you're not really going outside, you're staying inside. It's always recommended to still go out and get some of that sunlight. If you do find yourself in one of those deficiencies, so again, that could be, you know, due to maybe your age, if you have any, any issues with your kidneys, um, your GI tract, so your digestive system. And you can find those in a few ways. You can get them over the over the counter. Um, you'll find vitamin D2 is called ergocalciferol. So of course, on the regular label, it'll just say D2. Uh, D3 is cold calciferol. And you will find that again as D3 on the label. Those. So those will supplement your vitamin D. Most of the time, the doctors will prescribe that in weekly dosing. You kind of take a unit for a week. Um, one gel cap is usually how it comes in, or it could be a solid depending on what what vessel you're getting in, essentially. Uh, but definitely keep up with that because it's good, as we mentioned. It's good for cardiovascular health, good for your bones, it's good for your teeth. It helps improve your risk, or I guess decrease your risk of falling. So it's going to improve your health overall with that. It's going to improve some of your psychiatric conditions, helps your brain, and it helps out your GI tract as well. Yeah, those are all great points. Um, we've definitely seen our fair share of vitamin D, calcium supplementation in some of our older patients. They're a little bit more prone to falls. There's some dexterity issues. So um, you want to really eliminate the falls first and foremost. Um, but if there is a fall that happens, you know, hopefully those bones are nice and strong and they can kind of take the hit. Um, you know, and then it's also really important kind of going back to exercise as we age too. And this is something I, I talk to uh, patients and family members and friends a lot about is functional movement. Um, and so functional movement can be an exercise regimen, but you know, when you think about a burpee, right, that's a help I've fallen and I can't get up situation. Uh, a squat is just being able to get up off the toilet or get up the stairs, things like that. So, you know, the push up burpee squat, all, you know, burpees suck. I hate them. But, you know, they are kind of important because it gives you the ability to get up, you know, after a fall, which I've seen, you know, even in my own grandparents as they aged, um, it got to a point where it was very difficult for them to get up, you know, after a fall or just even get up from a chair from watching TV, you know, when you get older. So all those all those um, functional movements and things like that really help with, you know, what do we do if we fall? How do we get up the stairs? How do we get up? off taking a shit off the toilet, you know? So those things are, are really important, um, to us. So with that, all that being said, Cam. Oh, before we go. So keeping it lighthearted, when we're talking about the D's here, 
uh, a very common fracture you get is in your vertebrae, your spine. So you wouldn't want to be finally getting past your COVID fog. You're finally able to get your, your ED under control. You get it from the toilet. You get a vertebral fracture. And before you can even clap cheeks, you've blown your own back out. Like, you've got to get out in the sun. You've got to get that vitamin D. <laughs> I think Cam has like a one presentation, one podcast, one anything. He's got to say blow your back out. Got to have it in there. It keeps that stuff in your mind. It's keeps it right there on top. You remember this. Oh, yeah. Well, it, I'll, I'll never forget. I'm going to share a story, Cam, because this is like the first time. I mean, I met you in school. Um, you know, you sat a couple rows in front of me when we first started. And this is a great story. So and we're Cam, graduating now, so they can't take points away. Cam Cam's like coming to school. He's like dressed in a three piece suit, you know, for presentations and stuff. Had the bow tie looking just like dressed to the nines for this presentation. And um, I think I had, I had noticed that he was former military. I think we had talked about it in class. He, and uh, he had said some stuff. And so, and I, I knew from that, I was like, this guy's going to be my friend and he's going to have a great sense of humor. So he turns around, he's two rows in front of me. And he's like, I bet you guys that I can say, blow your backs out in this presentation three times. And this is our first year. So we're like, this guy's going to say, blow your backs out in the presentation. And so we're laughing and he gets down there. And sure enough, the, I think the exact quote, I'll never forget this is he's talking about a drug and he's talking about the molecular structure. And he's like, I love this chemistry shit, but I'm not here to blow your back out with that. Let's talk about the function of this medication and just switches to the next slide. And like half of the class is cracking up laughing. I know I was laughing in silence just my, like my face was red because I was laughing so hard, but like being quiet. And then I think half of our class didn't know what blow your backs out means. Yeah. And I think a couple of the professors like looked at each other and they're like, did this guy just say blow your back out? And I'm pretty sure you said blow your back out three times in that presentation, but the first one was the one that stuck with me. First one that slides in there. Uh, one benefit <laughs> from the military is that you, uh, when you get into leadership roles, you have to give a lot of classes. So I've already had the experience of talking in front of groups, looked like an idiot, so I was ready to go. Um, <laughs> I think the most the ironic part, so the first time I did it, we did it, uh, it's for that project in OTC, so over the counter, and mm -hmm. my group had gotten like a colon, a colon cancer test kind of thing. So the first thing I, I used that with was a, some kind of testing thing, and it was like blowing your own back out with colon cancer kind of thing. So it, it just went together so well, I I think. And it was also in front of the other class, I think was uh, that that third year for us, I guess. That two classes above us. So there yeah. was two classes in there and worked out almost perfectly. Cam blew out 200 plus backs that day. That day. And someone didn't even know what was going on. <laughs> the, one I, the one you're talking about, I think, was one for skills. Yeah, um, that was for our pharmacy skills class. That was like a new drug. Yeah, and two of the professors definitely knew what I was talking about because they're young enough. I feel like I know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I like. I can't tell you guys how hard I was laughing. I was like, "This guy gets it. I love it." Pharmacy school might not be that bad. <laughs> no, a lot of work, but you still have some fun with it. Yeah, we had some fun with it. We did a lot of cool stuff, and um, I think, I think I had like an ostomy bag for one of my presentations. And you're like, boy, you better say blow your back out <laughs> by you. And you're like, you got to blow the back out, fill that bag up. 
And that's honestly the goal right there. If you got that bag hooked up, you want that stuff coming out. Yeah, pharmacy school was a give and take. We blew backs out. We got our back. I think we got our back blown out probably more times than we blew theirs out. But oh, 100%. We're out now. We're almost licensed. So we're unlicensed drug dealers. Uh, if you guys have any questions about this podcast, feel free to hit us up at official at menshealthunscripted.com. Um, also, follow us on Instagram, uh, just at Men's Health Unscripted, and on Twitter, unscripted underscore uh, MH. Other than that, Cam, thanks for joining. Thanks for shining some insight on uh, post-COVID ED, and good luck on boards. Yeah, as well. Thanks for uh, starting up another good conversation. And everybody, keep shooting.